Well, today we're talking about prayer. The week one, we, uh, Pastor James reminded us, if, he, if you want to have a good relationship with God, it starts by being all His. Go all in. Total surrender. The Christian life is meant to be uh, all in. You can't hold anything back if you want to experience life to the full. You've just got to walk off the cliff uh, in faith. And God will catch you, and that's where you're going to find total blessing. And then last week, uh, we saw that God has revealed Himself to us in the Bible. He has chosen to self-disclose, and uh, the Bible says about itself, uh, everything we need for a life uh, of godliness. If you want, everything you need to know to please God and to live a vibrant spiritual life uh, has been uh, recorded and preserved for you in the Bible. And so, uh, if, you, if you want to have a, a vibrant spiritual life, then be engaging with the Word of God. And, um, you know, I was really, uh, last week, Sabrina and I were down visiting her family in North Carolina, and one of my sisters-in-law, uh, just, she continues to impress me. And she said, you know, Mike, I, I'm very intentional about filling my mind with good things, because Otherwise, I've already learned in life that I will just start to conform to the pattern of the world. And so I'm, I try really hard when, when I have spare time to be either listening to Christian music or listening to sermons. Uh, I didn't ask her, how many of my sermons do you listen to? Uh, she seemed to listen to a lot of John MacArthur sermons. Uh, but she said, I need that. I need to bathe my mind in the truth of God. Otherwise, I just, I just find myself thinking and acting like the world around me. And so the Word of God is important. And then today we're going to be talking about prayer. And I'm going to start with uh, some scriptures. The Bible talks a lot about prayer. So I thought I'll just read you a number of those texts. Uh, and then I want to give you a couple of pictures to, to think about prayer. Uh, Philippians chapter 4. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything... By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God in everything. Uh, my mom, I was driving with her not that long ago, and out loud she starts praying for a parking spot close to the door. And I thought, come on, does God care about that? Well, pray about everything. God cares about that because she's taking herself to the Lord and, and disclosing, she's giving to God her her desires, and she's saying, God, I want you in my life. And then here's the promise, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. If you want the peace of God guarding your mind and heart, well then, be a prayerful person, taking everything in your life to the Lord. James 5, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed prayer of a righteous person has great power. Matthew 6.6 6. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who is in secret will reward you. God rewards people who pray. Uh, Matthew 21.3, I believe, Jesus says, My house shall be called a house of prayer. Interesting. That's kind of Jesus' name for uh, the temple or for the church. And why would it be called a house of prayer? Because that's where people go to 
talk to God, to commune, commune with God. John 15, 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. What a promise. Jeremiah 33, 3, call to me and I'll answer you and will tell you great and hidden things you have not known. So God self-discloses to people who pray. When you pray, God gives more of himself to you in fellowship. Psalm 145, the Lord is near to all who call on him. Uh, and how, how, what a difference it makes in life when you feel the closeness of the Lord with you. Even in your, uh, in your hard times, in your good times, God is with me. Luke 11, I tell you, ask, it will be given to you. Seek, you will find. Knock, it will be opened to you. God, our Heavenly Father, cares about us. He's not trying to withhold any good thing from us, right? He says that. Uh, you know, you earthly fathers, if your kid asks for something good, you give it to him. How much more your heavenly father? He's not going to withhold any good thing from you. So ask. Hebrews 4, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So I, the picture I'm seeing here is uh, go to God in, in all the different situations of life you find yourself in, and what you're going to find is a God who loves you, who cares about you, and who will help you. James 5, is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord, and the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and raise him up. And if he's committed sins, he'll be forgiven. Psalm 24, when the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. And, and the Bible has a lot more to, to say about prayer and um, recommending it to us as a regular practice in our lives. In fact, uh, one scripture says, pray without ceasing. Uh, make it, make it a, a part of everything you do. Live your life in communion with God. Listen, God is personal. And uh, how do you deepen your friendship with another person? By never talking to them. Right? Now, I know, uh, especially guys, we, we can not talk to somebody for a few years and still feel like we have a great relationship. But, come on, the fact of the matter is, talking to people uh, helps us learn more about them, and uh, it's just a different relationship we have with somebody that we're talking to uh, on a regular basis. And the, mo and the more honest we are with people uh, and the more frequent our conversation, the deeper the relationship is. And that's, it's the, that's the way it is with God. So I have two pictures. Uh, the first one is a thermostat. Nope, it's a thermometer. A thermometer. And uh, what does a thermometer do? All right, no scientific explanations. It just, I don't care how it does it, it just measures the temperature, right, in the room or in the body. Uh, how hot are you, okay? And so one way to think about prayer is prayer is a thermometer, and it measures how, uh, how fervent your relationship with God, right? What's the, the spiritual heat in your life? And you're, listen... You, you are not going to convince me that you have a, a vibrant, 
deepening fellowship with God if you have an anemic prayer life. And, and that's true about myself. So here, are, here I was on vacation last week, and I'm sad to say that having all this extra time on my hands did not result in a, a lot more prayer. And so when I started uh, studying up for this sermon uh, a few days ago, I was convicted. I'm like, oh my goodness, the thermometer, uh, you know, what, my prayer life, what does that say about my current fellowship with the Lord and passion for God and desire for fellowship with Him? And I was embarrassed. I'm like, no, that's not what I want. Um, and so it doesn't take long. You, you want to, you know, how, how is my spiritual life going? Look at your prayer life. Now, like all relationships, our relationship with God, our fellowship with God. Now, I'm not talking here about your positional standing, right? I am God's child, period. And uh, that's, that's, that doesn't change. But my fellowship with God can ebb and flow, right? And it doesn't have to do with on God's side, it's on my side. Because I get distracted and I... I get apathetic, and I, on and on, for whatever reason. And so we have to periodically, you know, take our spiritual temperature and then make adjustments as we need. A very quick way to ask, how am I doing spiritually, is look at your prayer life. All right, so it's a thermometer. And right now, you might be saying, uh-oh, I'm not liking where I am. What do I do? Well, uh, here's the second picture. The second picture of prayer is a thermostat. Now, what does a thermostat do? It sets the temperature, right? And if you turn up the thermostat and everything is working the way it should, boom, a uh, furnace comes on and all of a sudden things are getting warmer uh, around there. And so actually prayer can function very much like a thermostat. If you want to have a more vibrant relationship with the Lord, if you want to deepen your fellowship with God, pray more. It will have a direct uh, result in your life. If you the, uh, just start carving out more time and energy for the Lord, you start thinking about uh, God more often during the day and then talking to Him, right? And so, you know, you're, oh, Lord, I'm about to go into this meeting. Or you're in the meeting and in your head, you're, you're like, Lord, I need, please give me wisdom. Give me the right things to say. Uh, Lord, this person irritates me. Help me to be kind to them today. Or please stop this conversation because they're driving me nuts. Let me out of here. <laughs> I prayed that one too. You just pray, pray lots of things. And sometimes the Lord just, some, oftentimes the Lord's like, yeah, absolutely. And sometimes he's like, mm, no, 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 I'm not doing that one. That was dumb. But it doesn't say don't pray dumb prayers. It says pray and then let the Lord sift through that. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. So, um, it might be, we're going to talk more, but it might be right now that you're thinking, okay, that's what I needed to hear. My prayer life is indicating a bit of an uh, um, uh, apathy toward God, a little bit of a coolness uh, in my relationship, and I want to dial that up. And so I'm going to pray more, pray more. Well, how do we pray? The Bible says a lot, but I want to focus our attention today to Matthew 6. So if you have your Bibles, Matthew chapter 6. Um, so Jesus' disciples, while he was on earth, um, they said, hey, John the Baptist taught his disciples how to pray. Would you teach us how to pray? And so Jesus 
answered their request, and he said, okay, let me teach you how to pray. So this is a, a model prayer. Uh, we prayed this a little earlier, the Lord's Prayer. It's a model prayer, but, but you absolutely can pray it. Now, I didn't pray it uh, when I was younger. I mean, I knew it, but it's not, it, it didn't factor much into my prayer life. But I don't know, 15 years ago, uh, I started praying this prayer, and, and now I pray it often. And I find it, as you would imagine, from Jesus, unbelievably profound. <laughs> and uh, and it become, it, as I'm praying through it, it kind of um, launches me off into uh, other, other prayers along the same line that are uh, kind of matching my life for the day. So here it is. J- Jesus says, uh, verse 9, pray then like this. So you don't have to pray these exact words, but this prayer is very instructive for us, and there's a lot to learn from it. Our Father in heaven. Our Father in heaven. So I think what Jesus is saying is the very first thing you do when you pray is orient yourself correctly. Um, I didn't... Remember who you are and who you're praying to. What's the identity? What is your identity? And so, you're not, you're not talking to an impersonal universe, force of the universe, right? You're, talking, you're not talking to a watchmaker God. You're not talking to a God who's angry with you or a God who you know, is very busy doing other things and you're going to have to do some kind of cosmic jumping jacks you know, to get his attention. I'm going to promise you, you know, there's even a story in the Bible where this, this guy promises his firstborn. God, if you just do what I ask you to do and listen to me, I'll give you my firstborn. Uh, and that's not recommended. Um, you don't have to snowball God with a bunch of words, Right? Uh, or cut yourself, or make some grand sacrifice. If you hear me and you answer my prayer, then I will, you know, dedicate all this to you. Jesus is saying, you don't have to do that because you're talking to your Father in heaven. And you're His child. He has adopted you into His family. He cares about you. And in fact, uh, He cares about every aspect of our lives. He cares about our hopes and dreams. He cares about our practical needs. He cares about our fears, right? He cares about our, our hurts. And so when, when you, I, I think what Jesus is saying is the first thing you do when you pray is you remember who you are and who you're talking to. And you, and you orient yourself. I'm talking to my heavenly father. I'm his child. Not because I'm good enough but because He has chosen me and He has redeemed me in Jesus. Now, the result of this, I believe, is that we will pray more boldly. Hebrews talks about this. Hebrews says, come boldly before the throne of grace because the righteousness of Christ is yours. You're united with Christ by faith. God accepts you. Uh, and it doesn't matter if you've helped a little old lady across the street that day or not or read your Bible and prayed that day or not. You're God's child, and he, he always has time for you and is, will always uh, give you an audience. So we come boldly. Um, secondly, we come honestly, right? If he's our heavenly father, I don't have to pr- pretend to be better than I am. I'm secure in my relationship with him. And so I can come to him with my true self. 
and I can say with my failures, with my fears, with my needs, with my desires, and I, and I come before God. So boldly, uh, honestly, and then trustingly, right? Because we trust that our Heavenly Father cares about us. He has all power, all wisdom, and so uh, we come to Him full of trust that, that we can cast our cares on Him knowing that He cares for us. So number one, root, root, you know, orient yourself in your identity as a child of God. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. God, I want your name to be revered and honored and worshipped. And of course, that always starts with us. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, you, the, so I think first off, you, it's all about identity. Who am I? Who's God and who I am, am I in relationship to him? And then secondly, it's all about the will. And it's, this is about uh, surrendering your will to the Lord, subsuming your will to God's. Because, can you pray this? God, I want it done on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, I want there to be no evil, no opposition to you. Uh, I don't want, uh, I want you to have all the glory. Can you pray that if you have pet sins you're clinging to? Or pursuits that you know are not God-authorized or part of God's will for your life. You're going to get hung up when you start praying this. Your kingdom come. God, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then as you pray that, you're thinking, ah, but I don't want to give up my, my affair. Uh, I don't want to have to pay the government its full share of my salary. You know, I don't want to tell my wife what I've been hiding, or I don't, I don't want to stop using uh, anger as a, as a form of manipulation. How am I going to make sure I get what I want? And on and on, you see? So, first you orient yourself with a proper identity, and then you fight the battle of the wills. <laughs> and, and I don't think you continue on in your prayer until you have gotten to a place where you say, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And of God, that obviously starts with me. So I, I choose to have, to, to have your will done in my life. And, and I don't know how long that takes. Hopefully that's instantaneous. You might get stuck there fighting that battle. Obviously, also you look up, you know, once you deal, deal with yourself, then you look up and look around and you're like, oh my goodness, there are, it's not being done on earth as it is in heaven all around me. And so here is authorization, of course, to pray against evil in the world and pray for change in this world. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day your daily bread. So first, it's all about identity. Who is God? Who am I in relationship to Him? Orient yourself. Uh, then it's all about the will, surrendering your will, desiring God's will to be done. And then you move on to your needs. Give us this day our daily bread. Um, and, and it's a recognition that uh, I am fragile, I'm frail, I'm needy, I live in a body, my body has needs, and God, I, I'm entrusting myself to you. Take care of me. Now, what I often want to pray for is, God, 
give me a big barn and fill it so I don't have any needs for many years to come and so I can enjoy myself. Uh, and God might do that, right? God might do that. But what he says to pray for is, give me this day, <laughs> give us this day our daily bread. Provide for me right now, right in the here and now. Which means I'm going to have to pray for that again tomorrow. And I'm going to have to pray for that again the next day. And of course, um, I think there's a reason Jesus says it's, it's harder for a rich man to get into the kingdom of God than for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Why? Because poor people, uh, needy people, uh, find it easy to go to God in, in prayer and because you're like, I need your help right now today. And uh, when we have everything that we need, sometimes we can, we can forget just how much we need God. Um, now, I want, have you noticed, by the way, I want you to notice in the Lord's Prayer that it's, it's not my Father in heaven, give me my daily needs. It's, a, it's, a, it's all plural. Our Father, give us this day our daily bread. Uh, and the Bible, the Bible speaks of the Christian as part of the family of God. We have brothers and sisters who we care about. And so even if my daily needs are being met, if I have brothers and sisters, both here and around the world, who are in need, well, I need to care for them. I need to be praying that God would provide for them. And then, of course, if God gives me more than I need, what is the obvious implication, right? Well, God might want to answer that. Why, why would I pray God you know, provide for the daily needs of my brothers and sisters, and I've got a whole bunch of surplus, uh, why would I think God might not, or I should think, God might want to answer that prayer through me? Identity, will, then needs, then we go to the issue of forgiveness. Uh, give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. Some translations forgive us our trespasses, and in markets, forgive us our sins. So, um, here's the way I put this. Don't stop praying until you have forgiven other people and you have asked God to forgive you. Oh, there was a time in my life where I kind of stopped the daily confession of sins. I was, I was so secure in, the, in my salvation and in the fact that uh, God had wiped my sins away as far as the east, taken them as far as the east is from the west, remembered no more, past, present, future, right? Like, my sins are forgiven. So why do I need to pray today, oh, you know, God, please forgive me because I've already been forgiven. It, it, but I got over that, okay? I got over that. And uh, the, here's the reality. The reality is we're not talking, this is what Christian, this is a prayer that Christians pray. And so for the Christian, yes, your sins are forgiven. You are in right standing with God. And that doesn't change. But the fact is I sin. And I sin on a very regular basis. And, and that sin disrupts my fellowship with God and my experience my experience as spiritual experience, and it can soil my soul, and it can desensitize me to evil and make me more prone next time, right? Unconfessed sin uh, has a, damages me spiritually. As a spiritual person, it damages me, and it disrupts my fellowship with God. And so, therefore, 
John, 1 John chapter 1, verse 8 9, he's, he says, if you think you don't, anybody claims they don't sin, they're a liar. In other words, there's no such thing as sinless perfection this side of heaven. Um, but, and, but if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And, and so, when we sin, we say, God, that was, and by the way, what is confession? Confession is agreeing with God that that behavior, that attitude, that pursuit uh, is wrong and not good. So you say, God, uh, what I just did, this is what I just did, and it's wrong. It's sin. It's not what you want for me. It's not in, in my best interest, God. I, forgive me for that. I don't want to do that. Please help me to do differently next time. And when we do that, uh, it's not that that sin gets forgiven uh, you know, in eternity and we're going to get to go to heaven again, but God cleanses us of that. The Holy Spirit whispers back to us, because you are in Christ, your sin is forgiven. Move forward in freedom. And that's a wonderful cleansing, right? And uh, then we have, uh, through that confession, Satan loses a lot of power in his ability to tie us up into that sin, entangle us, and, and, um, and it actually, I, I think, frees us uh, from being, uh, kind of resets us spiritually so that we're not uh, as prone to do that sin again as we would if we just callously move forward because that desensitizes our, uh, uh, our consciences. So listen, bottom line, confess your sins and do it on a regular basis. And, and that it's very good. It's a necessary part of uh, a healthy spiritual life. And say it. Don't just be vague, right? I have to fight myself all the time. You know, I don't really want to say what I did. And so I get, you know, I, I shouldn't have done that. I'm like, it's better for me to say, this is what I did, Lord. That's wrong. I reject that. Forgive me. Help me do differently next time. So, uh, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Now, this is, some people, this can really be a hang-up. Really can be a hang-up. Is, what Jesus teaches is, um, those who receive forgiveness are obligated to forgive others. There is no such thing as a Christian who receives God's forgiveness and then does not extend forgiveness. Uh, the, the total expectation that you will be a conduit. When you feel experience the forgiveness of God, you then are obligated to turn around and extend that to other people. And so if you're praying, God, forgive us our debts as we forgive our others, and you realize, uh-oh, there is a, someone in my heart I haven't forgiven. I'm, I'm bitter toward. I'm you know, holding resentment toward. I'm owning, uh, claiming for myself the right to avenge. Because that's really what we're doing, right? God says, vengeance is mine. I'll repay, says the Lord. So forgiveness is the opposite of that. Forgiveness is saying, God, it's in your hands. I, I let it go, and I leave it to you to, to repay the evil that's been done to me in whatever way you determine. Uh, so forgiveness a critical part of the prayer life. Identity, will, needs, forgiveness. By the way, I couldn't come up with an acronym and that was easy, which is why most people go with the ACTS acronym because you can remember that. Okay, that was a side. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. 
lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We live in an evil world. We live, and and that's been the case ever since Adam and Eve disobeyed God, and through their disobedience, sin entered the world. And that sin has been uh, spreading and breaking the world up, and so we live in a broken world, we live in a uh, a sin-sick world, we live in an evil world, and in fact there's an evil one, right, Satan and his demons who are uh, actively trying to trip up the people of God, keep us from uh, living the life that God intends us to live. And so here's what Jesus is saying, you need God's help to survive in this evil world, that's what he's saying. James tells us God never tempts anyone, right? Don't, don't ever, when you're tempted by sin, don't say God is tempting me. God tempts no one to sin. But what, so, so Jesus isn't saying, please don't tempt me, Lord. What Jesus is saying is, I live in an, we live in an evil world. Satan wants to tempt us. We're tempted by the world, the flesh, and the devil all around us. Uh, how in the world are we going to live a, a, a a healthy spiritual life, a victorious Christian life, how am I going to walk through this world with an unsoiled soul? It's not possible without God's help. And so Jesus is saying, part of your prayer life is to say, God, please help me. Help me to stay faithful to you. Help me not to get entangled by sin. God, help me to get free from those sins that I'm already entangled in. God, please, would you not even, would you please protect me from situations where I would be extraordinarily weak and inclined to sin? Please, God, I am asking you to help me uh, live a a victorious, godly life. And God hears those prayers and he answers those prayers. So identity, will, need, forgiveness, and deliverance from evil. That's Jesus' prayer life. Now, uh, some of the manuscripts, especially the Byzantine texts, have that final statement. Um, For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Some don't. So there's a little bit of debate about uh, whether that was part of the... I like it. I use it. I'm not going to talk about it right now, but there it is. Because it's not in the ESV, but I still, I like it. It's in the King James Version. And if the apostles read the King, no, just kidding. All right. A couple more thoughts on prayer here. Uh, Prayer changes things. This is important to to know and believe. Prayer changes things. Uh, Sometimes Christians get hung up, they're like, well, but God knows everything, and God's going to do what he wants to do, right? He's building his kingdom, and, and so if God's going to do it anyways, why do I need to pray? Well, God commands us to pray. Um, when you're the one who prays, then you're the one who gets to be a part of this amazing thing that God's doing. And the, and the biblical teaching is that God, that our prayers actually change the situation on the ground. Uh, One example of this is Exodus chapter 32. God has uh, declared that he's going to wipe out the people of Israel because of their sin. Uh, At the 
base of Mount Sinai. And then Moses intercedes for the people. God, please don't wipe your people out. Uh, and so then we read Exodus thirty-two fourteen. And the Lord relented from the disaster that he had spoken of bringing on his people. He relented. Some translations even say he changed his mind. We see this also in the story of Nineveh. God said, Jonah, you go proclaim to the Ninevites in 40 days, I'm going to destroy this city because of its wickedness. And then the people, how did they respond? Sackcloth and ashes and prayers. God, please don't. And then God relented and he didn't destroy Nineveh. The apostles say, pray that we'll be bold as we proclaim the gospel. Pray that God will open a door so we can go over here to... I mean, why did they pray that? Because they believe that God answers prayers. So please, don't overthink things. Uh, just pray. And pray and believe that God will hear your prayers and answer your prayers. Whether God prompts you to pray because he wants to make something... Yeah, that's interesting in a paper, but who cares? Just pray. Pray and, and, uh, and see what God, good things that God does. I like it what Archbishop William Temple says. Coincidences occur much more frequently when we pray. <laughs> I thought that was pretty pithy. Coincidences occur much more frequently when we pray. Here's another thought. Through prayer, we lay hold of many of God's blessings. Uh, in 1 John chapter 5, verse 14, we read this. And this is the confidence that we have toward Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of Him. Now, you could get hung up and say, well, how do I know what's the will of God? And so, I need to, first, I need to really make sure I know the will of God before I pray, and I'm not going to pray until I'm sure. Hey, here's another way. Pray a whole bunch of things, and then when it's the will of God, he's like, sure, here you go. And then you'll see, so pray that you can get that parking spot. Um, and, and so, here, I think we miss out on a whole lot of good things because we don't pray. Uh, remember that there's that song, Oh, what joy we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Uh, as a dad, uh, this kind of dawned on me. I've got two daughters, right? Morgan and Aubrey. And Aubrey, the younger one, was very vocal about what she wanted. Mom, Dad, I want this. I don't want that. I want this. I want... Morgan was much quieter. And Morgan, I'm sure Morgan had just as many desires and wants, but she was not nearly as articulate. And what I, what I realized as a dad is that when Aubrey would ask me for something, express a desire, and it wasn't bad, right? There's no reason, there's no reason she can't, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. And I would often go, yeah, okay, go ahead. I had no intention of doing that. It, it wasn't in my agenda, on my plan or agenda, but she got a whole lot because she asked for it. And, and so I even went to uh, Morgan sometimes. I'd say, Morgan, look at your sister. She gets more than you do because she's asking all the time. Ask, what do you want? Tell me. Uh, you know, I, I wanted to 
but I can't read your mind. I can't read your mind. So James chapter 4, verse 2, I think, uh, James says, you ask, you have not because you ask not. Or when you ask, you ask amiss because you want to spend it on your passion. In other words, there are some requests that we can make that God is not going to give us because he knows that's not in your best interest. That's not even a, a healthy prayer. I, I even heard a, a, a woman tell me one time that she once prayed that God would kill her husband because she was so unhappy with him. God didn't answer that prayer. Of course not. That's a bad prayer. That's a bad prayer. Uh, but it is interesting. I don't see anywhere in the Bible where God says, you know, censor yourself when you pray. Uh, we just go to God with, you, with who you are and you bring your stuff to him, you talk to him and you tell him. And, and trust me, the Holy Spirit is going to convict you when your prayers are out of line. And, and you start praying and, and, and you're asking for something and the Holy Spirit's going to say, are you really sure you want to do that? I remember one time I was praying, I was so mad at somebody and I, was, I started praying, I even gave it a nice theological uh, bracket because in the Psalms there are these things called imprecatory prayers where you pray down the wrath of God upon the head of your enemy. So I started this imprecatory prayer and man, the Holy Spirit just stopped me. Are you sure you want to pray that? I'm like, uh. <laughs> He's like, that's a Christian brother for whom Jesus died. And I went, okay, nope, nope, I don't want to pray that. And so, but bring your life before the Lord and, uh, and tell him what you want. But don't go into a prayer off with my mom, because you'll lose. Here's a free story. So I wanted to, uh, Sabrina and I moved into this new house, and I thought, it needs a hot tub. So I, went, I told my mom, I want a hot tub. Pray that I'll find a great hot tub on Facebook for cheap. Well, uh, somehow I let Sabrina know this, and Sabrina said, I don't want a hot tub. So she, she called my mom and said, Carla, you do not pray for a hot tub. <laughs> she wasn't going to get into a pray-off with mom. She just said, no hot tub, no praise. So actually, uh, I think that happens with, don't all the daughters-in-law pray, pray, uh, sometimes make sure you're not praying against their wishes? Yeah. All right, that, I had nothing to, I don't know what I'm talking about that. It's, but you know what, what I'm trying to say is, commune with God. He's your heavenly father and he cares about us. And talk to him. Talk to him. And uh, that pleases the Lord. He wants us to be like little children and tell him, tell him what we want. Final thought. Here, here's a quote from uh, Archbishop of Canterbury, lived many years ago, Archibald Campbell Tate. I want a life of greater, deeper, truer prayer. And as I was studying uh, for this message, I thought, yes, that's, that's what I want. I want that for me. And do you want that for you? So in the quietness of your own mind and heart, I want a life of greater, deeper, truer prayer. And may I suggest you're not going to want to, you, that's not true. You won't, you won't, want that until you settle the battle of the wills. Because we don't want to draw near to God uh, when we don't want what God wants for us. I have a picture here of a marathon runner. 
yesterday I went to the uh, state championship cross country because my nephew Colton was running, and he did a great job. He took third in state. He was he was outstanding, um, and I thought to myself, well, I know from watching Colton, you, you don't just go out and run as fast as he ran. You train and train and train and train and train, and you start small, right? If you ever train for a marathon, you don't start at 20 miles. You start very small, and you build and you build and you build. Um, and so, maybe you find yourself at a place where you're like, ah, somehow I've lost my prayer rhythms, right? I'm not praying like I used to pray. How do I get that back? Uh, well, master the art of starting over. You're probably not going to be like Martin Luther, who said, "I pray an hour a day. If I have a, you know, a, a significant schedule, I pray two hours, and if I have a really hard schedule, I pray three or three hours." And, you know, don't think I'm going to be Martin Luther and go for your three hours of prayer because you'll probably burn out. Um, start small and just say, "You know what? I'm going to I'm going to pray five minutes a day," and then. Maybe the next week you're praying seven minutes. And what you're going to find, what you will undoubtedly find, is if you start that discipline of prayer, your appetite for prayer grows. And it gets easier and easier and easier. So I'm just trying to, I don't want to set you up for, you know, I want to set you up for success. That you just commit yourself to praying, do it every day. And if, and if five minutes is a big stretch for you, uh, just start there. And, and let the Lord uh, work in your life and see your prayer life and as a result, your spiritual life grow and deepen. I invite the band back up, but as they're coming, let's pray. First, I'm just going to give you a chance to be silent. What's the Lord saying to you? Talk to Him. Lord, I want your house of Clearwater Church to be called a house of prayer. I want you to call it a house of prayer, Lord, because we, your people here at Clearwater Church, are a praying people. Spirit of God, make that happen in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.